Good evening and welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. So glad that you're here listening to the word of the Lord tonight. And we're going to look into God's word uh, in the middle of the week and just let him speak to us. And I thank you for, for tuning in this evening for a time of breaking the bread of life and sharing the word of the Lord. Before we do get into the word of God, I do want to mention just a, a couple of items. Uh, one, I want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in to The Chosen. The first episode this last Sunday night was, wow, we had a great time and uh, enjoyed that episode together and then had a follow-up discussion on Zoom. and We had quite a few people join in. We want you to do that with us this Sunday night as well. We'll be watching the second episode and then we'll be following up that second episode at 8 o'clock with a panel discussion of about 20 to 25 minutes uh, just discussing some takeaways and putting into perspective some of the items that are listed in that second episode of The Chosen, a series that, uh, that deals with the life of Jesus as he walked on this earth through the eyes of several of the Bible characters that we've come to know and, and study and uh, just an enlightening series that we're enjoying together as a congregation. So we look forward to that this coming Sunday night and we know the Lord will bless. I also want to tell you that on uh, a week from Sunday, which is Pentecost Sunday, everybody say Pentecost Sunday. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And that is the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God upon his people. And we're celebrating that in the year 2020. Of course, in Cincinnati, we typically will have a large gathering of all apostolic churches to celebrate Pentecost Sunday. But because of the unique season in which we live, we will not be able to have uh, a gathering of that magnitude. But we are going to have an online Pentecost Sunday presentation. We want you to tune in for that. And we are so honored to be able to have as guests Bishop Theodore Brooks, who is the presiding bishop of the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World, and Dr. David Bernard, who is the general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International. Uh, it's going to be an extraordinary evening. You don't want to miss it. 7 o'clock, May 31st, online. Tune in. It's going to be a Holy Ghost time. Amen. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Uh, look forward to those details as they are uh, soon to follow. But we are excited for what the Lord is doing. We talked about it Sunday. We see the light at the end of the tunnel. We are looking to have our first service back on June 7th, Sunday morning. Uh, I will tell you it's going to be a unique thing. It's going to be uh, different. We're taking precautions right now. We hope to utilize the fullness of our uh, facilities in order to accommodate people and uh, allow for the physical distancing that is needed. Uh, we're going to be able to satisfy all of the requirements necessary to uh, keep that gathering within the constraints that it needs to be. We want everybody to be safe. We want everybody to be healthy and we want everybody who can and are desirous to do so to be able to come to the house of God. Now we know that everybody's desirous to come to the house of God. We also know that some people are not comfortable doing that just yet and we understand that. 
And we don't want you to feel badly if you fall into that category of a person who says, hey, I just don't know yet if I'm ready to get back out into the, into the crowds and, and I, want to, I want to make sure I'm ready before I do. We understand that. No shame whatsoever, but we are looking forward to June 7th for those who are comfortable coming back to the church building. The church is you and I, the temple of the Lord, the body of Christ, but the building is a place where we gather together and worship His name. So we're looking forward to June 7th, and we will be providing uh, more and more details here in the coming days. And uh, we just look forward to all that God is gonna do. You know something like this, of this magnitude, it can't happen without God coming through in a way that we could have never dreamed possible and receiving glory on a level that we could not have foreseen. And so we're looking forward to seeing all the good that will come from these challenging circumstances that we have faced uh, over the last couple of months. Uh, tonight we're going to look into the Word of the Lord and I want to talk to you on this subject. I want to talk to you about forbearance. Forbearance. It's not a subject that we talk a lot about, but the Bible deals with it, and I want to talk to you about it tonight. Uh, we're going to read beginning from Romans chapter 15, and we're going to read verse 1. It says this, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to to Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul here describes a, a situation where we that are strong, and we want to be strong in the Lord, but we understand that the body of Christ is comprised of a great many people, some of whom are strong, some of whom are not as strong, some of whom are, are individuals who have times where they show great strength, and then other times they, they get weary weary and, and, and need somebody to uplift them. We've all been there. And the Apostle Paul said, hey, if you're strong, then it's your responsibility to bear the infirmities of the weak. He was actually speaking of this following Romans chapter 14, where he talked about the, the reality that there are some people who, who have to be careful in their walk with God because little things can become stumbling blocks to them. Things that, that, that may not even be an actual transgression, but, but are a stumbling block and a means of offense. And the Apostle Paul looked at those who are strong, who aren't as offended and, and don't stumble over little things. And he said, hey, you may not stumble over it, but you're strong and you need to be mindful of those who do stumble over it. You need to be mindful of those who who are in need of support in this time of their weakness. So we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And he said, this is what Christ did. He said, Christ, understand, he pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. 
Christ took the reproach of the sinner, of the transgressor, took it upon himself and brought it to the cross of suffering and sacrifice. And Paul said in the same manner, let us everyone please his neighbor to their edification. In other words, look after your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself and support them and bear their infirmity. So I wanna to talk to you a little bit about forbearance. The, the, the Bible speaks of it in a few areas. I wanna to read to you also from the book of Galatians, uh, pardon me, the book of Colossians. And in the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul deals with it again. And, and he deals with it from the third chapter and verse number 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, he said forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. Now we talk more about forgiveness than we do forbearance, and we need to talk about forgiveness. It's the crux of everything. We wouldn't be here if God had not forgiven us. And because he forgave us, we need to forgive others. But, but we need to talk about forbearance also, because forbearance is a little bit different than forgiveness. It is a result of forgiveness, but it's a little bit different than forgiveness in this sense. Forbearance is talking about putting up with somebody. It's talking about showing grace and long-suffering and actually tolerance. Somebody said that the Bible doesn't mention the word tolerance and, and that word may not emerge, but the concept does. The concept is wrapped up in the word forbearance and it has to do with, with dealing with an individual, a brother, a sister in Christ, who, who you might disagree with them, you might be annoyed by them, but you forbear one another in the love of God. Here's, here's why, because God did that for us. We probably get on God, God's nerves a lot. We probably have, have stretched God's nerves more than what we could ever imagine, and he still loves us, and he still cares for us, and he still looks after us, and he bears our burdens. And, and this is what the Bible is teaching us. You need to not just forgive somebody, you need to forbear them. Forbear one another in love. Bear for one another. Support one another. Be kind to one another. And so in the church of the living God, you're going to deal with uh, all manner of personalities and, and, and various personalities are going to be challenged by one another don't give up on your brother or sister just because there may not be a natural chemistry. There is a spiritual chemistry in the Holy Ghost that brings us together in the love of God. And the Apostle Paul said, put on kindness and put on humbleness of mind and put on charity and, and bowels of mercies and long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Look what he said to the church in Galatia, in the sixth chapter of the book of Galatians, he speaks again of this matter of bearing one another's burdens. Galatians chapter six, verse one. Here it is again about supporting those who are weak. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, 
ye which are spiritual. Sounds like when he spoke to the Romans and said, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. He said, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. We restore one another in the spirit of meekness. And here's how. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. How do we restore others? How do we support others? How do we forbear others? Because we consider ourselves and we treat people the way we would want to be treated. Anna, my oldest, was uh, taking a, an ethics class in one of, her, uh, one of her courses and she was studying the matter of ethics and, and the ethics were simply the golden rule. Treat others as you would want them to treat you. And it dawned on her that the world, that doesn't come natural to them. It has to be spelled out. It has to be uh, articulated and, and really explained to the, to the very uh, minute detail of what to do and what not to do when you are trying to treat somebody the way they should be treated. And it was kind of an eye-opener for her because she grew up in the church. She grew up in the kingdom of God where the order of the day is putting others' needs above your own. The order of the day is not looking after yourself, but looking upon the needs of others. In the church where, where, where there's kindness and there's love, and, and it touched my heart to hear my daughter say that because that is the way it ought to be in the church. And that is the way it is at Tree of Life Church, a church where there's great love, a church where there's forbearance and forgiveness and kindness and charity and long suffering. I can't wait till we can all worship together again and just share the love of God with one another from six or seven feet away, of course, holy high fives and holy hugs from a good safe distance away. But, but it'll be great to be able to see one another because that is what the church is all about, loving one another. Jesus said, this is how all men are going to know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. In another place, he said, by their fruit, you shall know them. The very first reference in the, to the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. There's a, a reason why love comes first. Love is the foundation for all other fruit that flows from the Spirit of Almighty God. Love is the foundation. And so that's what the, the, the church is all about. And, it, and, and wrapped up in that love is not just forgiving, but also forbearing. Amen. One of the great passages of the scripture has to do with the man who was lame who was unable to get up off of his bed and he wanted to be healed by Jesus. But the press of the crowd, he wasn't able to get into where Jesus was. And the Bible says that they cut a hole in the roof and let the man down into the presence of where Jesus was teaching. And he healed the man and he forgave his sins and the man walked, he came in lame, he walked out, made whole. It was a beautiful thing. And we can shout about the power of Jesus and we can shout about the faith of the man who was healed and we can give God the glory for the miracle. But let's not forget those 
bearers of this man's burden. Let's not forget those who said, you can't do it for yourself. We're going to do it for you. We're going to step in and lift this load off of your shoulders, and we're going to get you to where you need to go. Now, I know that we live in America, and America is, of course, a free nation, and it has to stay that way. The land of the free, the home of the brave. But sometimes in freedom, it's challenging because of the fact that you're looking after yourself. And, and we have to be careful not to get a, a, an attitude of, I look after number one. Who's number one? Well, we know who we're talking about when we say, I, you got to look after number one. You're talking about yourself. But the Bible says the Lord our God is one. You want to talk about who really is number one? The Lord is really, truly number one. Glory to God. And when you look after God and the things of God and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all the things that you need will be added unto you. And so let's make sure that even as we thrive in our freedom, thrive in our liberty, thrive in our independence, that we use that liberty for righteousness and not unrighteousness, for truth and not evil, for goodness and not wickedness. Let's, let's not look after ourselves and be self-centered, but let's look to God. And when you look to God, you'll not only see God, but you'll see the needs of other people. And, and, and we see that outlined in the account of this man who was, who was brought to Jesus. So when we look after the needs of others, we do so knowing that the only one who can really meet their need and satisfy the longing of their soul is the Lord Jesus Christ. Forbearance, picking up that burden and leading people to the Lord Jesus Christ. It has to be the ministry of the church. Here, the last couple months, it, it, it goes without saying, it's been the most unusual set of circumstances we have ever faced. And, and we have talked for years about the possibility of never, of not being able to gather together. And we, you know, we've always hypothesized about what that would look like and what that would seem like. And we always thought it might happen because of persecution. Well, it turns out that it happened because of a, a virus that, that swept through our our land. And none of us really expected that. None of us really saw that as a possibility. And so it changed even the nature of how we would decentralize. We thought, well, if we can't gather together because of persecution, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just decentralize and we'll go into motion as the church uh, underground, you know. But it was different because we, we couldn't get out of our homes and go to other people's homes. And it was, it, it, we were being told it could be dangerous for you to go to someone else's home and to help them. So even the idea of ministry, of hands-on ministry was challenged because it, it typically stands to reason that if you can't meet up here, well, you'll go out and do the work of God everywhere you go. And that's what we did, but it was challenging. People didn't want to open their doors. People didn't want to welcome others into their home for fear that they might have the virus. And then this concept of it being asymptomatic, that you could have it and not be showing any symptoms, it was a terrifying prospect. And it was a unique thing, a unique type of, of ministry uh, challenge that, that we didn't foresee. So how do you minister when you can't go to someone's house, how do you minister when you can't, when you can't actually go 
physically help a person and physically lay hands on a person, if you please, and help them. How do you minister under those circumstances? And it just brought to my mind that this thing is a thing of the Spirit. At the, at the end of it all and at the, at the very bottom base of it all, this church and this work of God is a thing of the Spirit of the Lord. God is Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And that's why the church can't be defeated. Because the church is not dependent on a building. And it is not dependent even on physical touch. But it's dependent upon the things of the Spirit of God. So, so how do you work for God when you can't physically connect with somebody, physically contact somebody? Imagine if we didn't have technology that we have today. I'm able to speak to you right now in the comfort of your home and declare the word of the Lord to you. And we can reach out and agree together through cyberspace. And, and praise God for technology. And we thank God for our media team that has just gone above and beyond making sure that we have access as the church to the Word of God. And I hope and pray that you've been taking full advantage of every opportunity to receive the Word of the Lord. But, but imagine if we didn't have that. What if we didn't have uh, live stream? What if we didn't have YouTube? What if we didn't have Facebook? What, what if we didn't have Zoom? And, and texting and emailing and all of these, all of these various uh, uh, avenues by which the Word of God has traveled over these last two months. What a challenge that would have been. Thank God that He gave us the means to be able to communicate His Word. But I want you to know, had there been no YouTube, had there been no live stream, had there been no Facebook, had there been no technological development that allowed us to declare the Word of God as we have, His church would still be all right because His church is not built on technology. His church is built upon the rock. That rock is Christ. And He, is, he has laid a foundation of love. And that love leads us and guides us through the power of the Holy Spirit to minister to the needs of people. So how do you minister if you, if you, if you can't make the physical connection? I want to speak, I want to show you two ways to minister when you can't physically contact a person. And by the way, there are missionaries right now in other parts of the world that you can't physically contact and you can play a part in their ministry. I want to tell you that one of the great ways to, to, in order to minister to someone when you cannot physically contact them is through the Word of God. The Word of God. Speaking the Word of God. I go back to the Roman centurion. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. When he said, speak the Word only. I'm not worthy that you should come under the roof of my house. Speak the Word only and my servant will be healed. You can speak the Word. A Word of life the word of God, a word of encouragement, a word of love, a word of blessing. Anybody, anybody that comes to your mind tonight, go ahead and speak the word of life to them. Call them, text them, send them an email. Make sure they know you're thinking about them, that you're praying for them. Speak life. That's important because the devil has been breaking them down. And let me tell you something. The thing that concerns me is that yes, we're the church. Yes, we're going to be all right. Yes, his church is built upon the rock. 
But I, 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 as a pastor, I get concerned about those who I know they need, we all need, but some people are very, very needful of, of the interaction with the people of God, needful of being able to sit in the presence of God and receive the word of the Lord. And I, and I, and I get concerned. You know what I do when I get concerned? I pray for them or I reach out to them and I speak that word of life, that word of God. Hallelujah. Notice what Isaiah chapter 55 says in verses number 10 and 11. It says this, for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Did you hear that? The word of God goes forth and accomplishes that whereto he sends it, which he pleases, and it prospers in the thing whereto he sends it. The word does. Well, I can't get there and I can't put my hand on it. Speak the word. The word will accomplish it. The word will, will prosper in the thing whereto it is sent. And the word will not return void. Speak a word of prophecy. Speak a word of faith. Speak a word of life. Speak the word of God. There's power in his holy word. Not only can we speak the word, but I'm going to tell you the, the, the greatest kind of word to speak as you're speaking the word of God is to pray. You can even pray the word of God. There are so many things that happen when we pray. We will never fully fathom the power of prayer. When we pray, things happen that we don't have any control over. And, and, and we have to understand that when we pray, we're, we're actually putting support under those that are weak. When we pray, we are praying to God. He's dispatching angels. I love the story of Daniel. When Daniel prays and he's in Persia, and while he's praying, he doesn't even know it, but the Lord has already dispatched an angel, and there's a spiritual battle between that angel and the prince of Persia. Daniel doesn't know it. He's just praying. You don't even know what's happening when you pray, but God is dispatching angels, and, and there are spiritual principalities at war with the will, the providence, and the purpose of God, and your prayers are making a difference. Pray for your loved ones. Pray for those that are weak. Pray for those that are overtaken in a fault. Pray for those who need forbearance, those who need forgiveness. Pray the prayer of faith. Pray the words of life. Pray the word of God. I'm going to tell you something. Prayer can go where you can't go. Prayer can reach into places that you and I could never reach. It can cross boundaries we can't cross. It can go into nations we can't go into. Prayer can make the difference. Hallelujah. I, I'm reminded of Acts chapter 12, when the Bible says that, 
that Herod had James, the brother of John, killed. He murdered James, the brother of John. Can you imagine how devastating that was in the early church? In this virus, it's under different circumstances, but we've seen great people of God who have passed away in the, in the midst of this season of suffering. And it's heartbreaking, it's heartrending. And it reminds me of what the early church must have felt when a man, the caliber, the status of James, the brother of John, when he passed away at the hands of the tyrant Herod, it had to be devastating. And the Bible says that when Herod saw that it pleased the Jews, he took Peter also. So James is murdered, and now Peter is in prison. This is real-life persecution that they were experiencing. But you know what they did? The Bible says that the church gathered together and they prayed. They prayed. I, I, I don't know how helpless or hopeless you feel, but you're not helpless and you're not hopeless. You can always pray. And when you pray, things begin to happen. Here Peter is, lonely, expecting to die. James has already been killed, so nobody's immune. God could have saved James, but he didn't. He did end up saving Peter, and Peter was, was delivered from that prison. And, and, and we see that happen. Sometimes somebody will pass away and we say, why did they have to pass away? We don't understand the totality of the providence of God, but we pray for deliverance for anybody and everybody. And, and they prayed that God would deliver Peter out of the prison. And while, while he's sleeping, the angel of the Lord comes and delivers him out of that prison while people are praying. They couldn't get in that prison. They couldn't break uh, the jail uh, cell open. They couldn't, they couldn't get a prison break uh, to happen. They could only pray. Sometimes all you've got is a prayer, and that is enough. Sometimes all you've got is a word of encouragement, and that's enough. Sometimes all you have is a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a word of life, and that's enough. God can use you to, to bring support to those that are weak, forbearance, lifting them up with prayer, lifting them up with the word of Almighty God. And you do it, why? Because he did it for you and he did it for me. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, we forbear one another in the love of God. We forgive one another in the love of God. We pray for one another when we can't get to each other. I want you to take some time and think about some people that you're used to seeing at church and just wonder how they're doing. Pray for them. Even if you don't know their name, pray for them. Describe them to the Lord and say, God, I need you to pray for this brother. Pray for, uh, touch this brother, touch this sister. Bless them and their family. Put a hedge of protection around them. And call upon God. And, and I wanna tell you something. God starts sending angels as ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. The great uh, account of the scriptures is when Jacob saw the ladder that stretched from the glory of God to the earth. And the Bible says that there were angels ascending and descending upon that ladder. That is the activity, the divine activity of what goes on in the presence of the Lord. 
angels, hallelujah, the spirit of the Lord at work and the ministering spirits as flames of fire ministering to the heirs of salvation. When you pray, when I pray, things begin to shake, things begin to happen. We must be a people of prayer and especially in times like this when we can't gather together. But we're going to gather together soon. We're going to give God all the praise and all the glory, and we're going to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Between now and the next, even the next few weeks, because even when we come back together, it's going to be different at first. Now, this is a season, and it will pass, but it will be different at first. And, and I want to ask you to forbear one another while we're getting used to this unique season. It's not going to be easy for anybody because it's going to be different, but at the same time, it's going to be blessed and it's going to be good just to be able to see the smiling faces of God's people. Hallelujah. We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And so we have people in our church right now, our congregation who are high risk, people who are perhaps elderly, people who have underlying conditions, people who are, are high risk and, and vulnerable to this virus. We then that maybe aren't as high risk we have to come in and bear those infirmities and, and provide the support that is needed. And, and so not everybody's even going to be in their, able to be in their normal place because some people aren't even going to feel comfortable coming back right at the first. But, but those that are able, come in and bear the infirmities of the weak and strengthen those who are, who are vulnerable at this time. It's going to be a beautiful thing to see the church step up, stand up, rise to this occasion. I don't say that because that's what I'm supposed to say. I say that because that is the truth. This is an hour of power for the church of the living God to go forth with greater boldness, with greater clarity, hallelujah, than ever before. Even if you can't put your hands on it, pray over it and speak the word of God. The Lord will honor, his word will not return void, and there will be a forbearance, a strengthening, a supporting of those who need it most. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for your word today and I thank you for your people. I pray, God, that as we reopen, as we come back together, that you will bless our efforts. I thank you for keeping your hand of protection upon us thus far and going forward. I know, oh Lord, that you are with us and we humbly surrender ourselves to you. Guide our thoughts and our minds that we will know how to reopen with wisdom, that we won't be afraid, but that we will be wise. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name under the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Oh God, we give you all praise and glory for this. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And the church said, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight.